0: Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom were fragilis and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus.
1: Well, turn your Bibles to Second Timothy. And if you don't have your Bible, that's okay, but there's a black pew Bible in front of you. And we'd grab that and turn to page um, 1181. That's what... Uh, Cody read for us. That's her teaching text. It's going to really help you this morning. It's really going to help you this morning. Um, and if you're second grade and under, I want to invite you to go to children's church if you can uh, walk down here uh, and line up at the door, and um, we're going to take you back and and teach. If you want to get, if you if you got some visitors, uh, you want to take back and get settled, you can do that, and then um, come on back up here. We got a a good group. They are going to children's church. They're going to teach the word in a age-appropriate manner, and we're really thankful for those teachers. <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter one. We're going to be looking at verses eight through eighteen uh, this morning. In fifteen fifteen, William Tyndale. He was at Oxford University. He began studying theology, but he was Uh, taken back um, that studying this subject theology did not involve reading the Bible it's kind of strange isn't it at the time the church uh, the Catholic church had greatly neglected the Bible Uh, many pastors uh, unfortunately were ignorant of the Bible but William Tyndale was God fearing and he began studying the Bible for himself and he began to teach his fellow students from it after he graduated he became a tutor and, and began to preach and he was a good preacher in fact, he taught from the Bible. But what happened is he got in trouble for teaching the Bible. In not that kind of precarious situation? A terrible place the church was in. But he was accused of heresy because he was teaching the Bible. And he wanted to translate the Bible into, from the original languages, from Greek in the New Testament, Greek to, to English. And he also wanted to do that with the Old Testament, from the Hebrew to, to English. He was a, a linguist. He knew Greek and Latin and Spanish, French and German. Um, and in fact, Elaine Lachey, uh, if you're taking French and you need some help, Elaine can uh, help you. She's back in Children's Church, but she can help you with your French there. But William Tyndale was a, a linguist, and he, he wanted to translate the Bible, but he needed permission from the king. And so he went to London, and he sought out permission to translate the Bible, but he wasn't given it. He was denied. Eventually, he realized he would not be able to translate the the Bible from Greek, uh, the New Testament from Greek to English while he was in England. So in 1524, he moved to Germany and he completed his translation of the New Testament from the Greek into English. And he, the print press had been invented and so he had his, his work printed and it began to circulate and there were New Testaments being smuggled into England. And the church, the Catholic church, was very alarmed. In fact, the Bishop of London banned... Uh, the new translation and began to burn the copies as they were found. And from this point on, William Tyndale spent his life uh, on the run, eluding capture. But he was betrayed, 1535, by a so-called friend, and he rested and he was tried for heresy. And October 1536, William Tyndale was martyred. He was strangled before he was His body was burned at the stake. A Catholic priest once told William Tyndale, he said, We were better without God's laws than the Pope's. See, they elevated the Pope's authority above Scripture. And Tyndale replied, I defy the Pope and all his laws. If God spare my life, ere many years, I will cause a boy that drives the plow to to know more of the Scriptures than you. In fact, when William Tyndale was asked if he had anything else he'd like to say, you know what his last words were? Lord, open the king of England's eyes. See, that's William Tyndale's last will and testament. What was important to William Tyndale? That the common person would have the Bible in their own language so they could read and understand the Bible on their own. 2 Timothy is Paul's last will and testament. And we're seeing what is important to the Apostle Paul. Last week, Morgan introduced you to the book and he gave you an outline. and uh, We'll look at that outline real quickly. Um, We're in this first section in in chapter 1. Be loyal. That's where we are. Be loyal and unashamed in your calling to the gospel and to Paul. Let me remind you of the context, what's going on in 2 Timothy. The church is under attack and its leading advocate, its leader, at the time, the Apostle Paul was in prison. Now, he had been in prison several times, but this imprisonment was a little different. He's in a dungeon prison facing imminent execution. False teachers are running amok in the church, and even being a part of the church seemed to have nothing but societal disincentives. In fact, being a part of the church hurt you in society, it didn't help you at the other day. The hostility towards Christians and the message of the gospel was growing. In Christianity, was being blamed for a lot of the problems in the Roman Empire. And we saw last week the effects of the gospel. You remember in verses 1 through 8, one of the effects is we have new life, but we also have new relationships. Paul, he loves his boy Timothy. This is his son in the faith. And the last time they parted, Timothy wept. And Paul's thinking about these effects of the gospel on himself and Timothy, and he admonishes Timothy to feed the flame of God's gift in his life. Have courage, speak up, be willing to suffer if need be for the gospel. That's possible because Timothy, as we're told in verse 7, has received the Spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. See, we don't do anything on our own. It's not just we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and get her done mentality. No, it's the Lord's helping us. The Holy Spirit helps us to, to obey and do what the Lord wants us to do. But in today's text, verses 8 through 18, we're going to see this call to be courageous and not be ashamed of the gospel, not to be ashamed of Paul. Timothy can do that by remembering the gospel and what Jesus did for him. And many people are ashamed at this point in time. Many people are walking away from the faith. They're ashamed of the gospel. They're ashamed of Paul. But Anisiphorus is an example for Timothy as one who isn't ashamed, who's willing to suffer for the gospel's sake. So that's where we're looking at today. That's where we're going. That's the main point. But let's look at our points um, there's three points today. Number one, don't be ashamed of the gospel or of Paul. But we'll but we be willing to suffer for, for the gospel's sake. Notice in verse 8, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, the gospel. Three times we see this, don't be ashamed. Verse 8, look down at verse 12. We see that I am not ashamed. And in verse 16, we see again, Anisiphorus was not ashamed. So that's kind of the, one of the main points here. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of Christ. Paul saying, don't be ashamed of me. John Bamaro talking about the, the, the context of the day, says, The world of Paul and Timothy had a highly developed set of codes for honor and shame, a carefully graded system of social power and prestige. It was the ultimate suck-up society where you curried the favor of the one above you because society demanded it and because it reflected well on you. This understanding saturated the culture of the Roman Empire. But what does the gospel do? gospel puts everybody on the same le- level, and those in Roman culture didn't like that. I mean, those that are saved, they embrace it, the gospel, and what Christ has done by faith. But what does it do? It levels everybody, doesn't it? They always say the, the, the ground is level at the bottom of the cross, right? Because what's, what's the gospel do? It takes the prideful person. What does it do? It humbles them. But yet it takes the, the humble person and exalts them. And in Roman culture, that was taboo. They hated that. They rejected that, and they rejected Paul. That's why Paul's in a dungeon about to be executed, because his love for the gospel is love for, for Christ, Paul being in prison, it meant that he was out of favor with the power power brokers of his day. He didn't fit in. And to be associated with Paul very well could mean that Timothy was guilty by association. And the thing is, Timothy, he didn't have my personality. He wasn't type A. He didn't have Paul's personality. He didn't have Missy's personality, right? Leanne's personality. Ashley's personality. He didn't. Just type A, you know. Personality. No, he, he was timid. He was timid. So Paul's trying to encourage him, trying to motivate him a little bit. You know, it really doesn't matter how gifted you are, and it really doesn't matter how intelligent you are, or how well trained you are, if, if you don't have courage. If you're ashamed of the gospel, none of those other things matter. I, I like I hunt a lot. I grew up hunting, and we always had hunting dogs. It's kind of like having a dog that's gun shy. I don't know if you know much about hunting you have a dog where there's a tree and a squirrel, a raccoon, a run, a rabbit, or whatever. You can have a dog that's the best dog, have the best nose, listen to you well, handle well. Just be the best hunt dog. But you fire a shot, and that if the dog runs off, guess what? You don't have a dog. It's like not having one. It's worse than having one, right? You can have all the training in the world, all the intellect, but if you're ashamed of Christ and the gospel, if you're ashamed of Paul Timothy, it doesn't matter. That's all a waste. Paul's trying to empower Timothy. And you know, we all wrestle with shame, being ashamed of Christ, the gospel, the church. We, we do. We, I think we all wrestle with that. We all want to be liked, we want to be accepted in the world, we don't want to go against the grain too much, right? We want to fit in, generally speaking. Peter did, didn't he? He denied the Lord three times. He didn't want to stand out too much. He kind of wanted to fit in. I mean, think about Timothy. If He's saying, if I preach Christ, I'm liable to end up like Paul. If, I'm, if I promote the gospel, I might be attacked. I might be in prison. Well, Paul's trying to help Timothy know that, no, if you, if you don't preach Christ, you might as well die. Look at verse 8. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Notice that. Nor of me, his prisoner. He is, who's that referring to? That's not referring to Caesar. Paul's in Caesar's dungeon. But Nero is not his captor. Who is? Christ. Nor of me, Christ prisoner. Paul didn't regard his, his shame as his own, but Christ. He saw his suffering as the sufferings of Christ. They shame Jesus, they're going to shame me. And, and Paul would say to be ashamed of him is to be ashamed of Christ. So he's telling Timothy, don't be ashamed, but share in the suffering. And in fact, Timothy mentions this in every chapter of this letter. Here in chapter 1, share in the suffering. Chapter 2, verse 3, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Chapter 3, verse 12, he reemphasizes, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And in chapter 4, verse 5, he exhorts Timothy to endure hardship in the ministry. Be willing to suffer. How does Paul intend Timothy To be courageous and not be ashamed. Look at verse nine and ten. To keep him from shrinking back, I think he wants him to remember what Christ has done for him. Notice, look at verse nine. Notice, we're Christians because of what God has done for us. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling? That means He called us to be like Jesus. He calls us to live differently. He calls us to emulate Christ, to be Christ-like in our actions, in our attitudes, in our words. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. How's Timothy not going to be ashamed? How's he going to be courageous? We're going to remember what Christ done for you. Before the ages began. That's real important. You know, the gospel wasn't plan B. Jimmy, the gospel's not plan B, brother. Sometimes it's think, like, you know, I had him and he was in the garden. They just messed this whole plan up and this whole thing's awash. And God had to just fix everything and come up with plan B. No. The gospel's been plan A since the beginning. God in his foreknowledge knew the fall was going to happen. He set this thing up from the very beginning. It was determined before time began. And, and I want to point out something. I hope you can put that up there. Pre-existent Preexistent grace. Pre-existent grace. Think about that for a second. Paul is saying, Man, this is the work that God did in Christ, but this was planned before the ages began. And we see that in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 6. Paul writes, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace, with which he blessed us in the beloved, he chose us before the foundation of the world. Chose us? Who's talking about? That's talking about believers. You're chosen before the foundation of the world. How does Timothy? How's Paul going to keep Timothy from from shrinking back and being ashamed? Remember the gospel and what God has done for us in Christ. And you know what? That was planned. Before the beginning of time, you were chosen. You are predestined. You're like, man, that chosen predestined stuff, I don't know if I, if I believe all that. Yeah, you do, because it's in the Bible. We're Christians. We've been chosen since before time began. Wow. Let me help you understand that a little bit. I, I, li- I grew up on Beaver Road, right up here in S-Curve. And we had a, a bunch of boys in our neighborhood. And, and everybody came to my yard every day. I had a big yard. We played football. I had a, a concrete uh, slab to play basketball on. And so all the boys came to, to our, our yard. And the problem was that, that I was the youngest in the neighborhood, and I've always been real little. And so these guys are all two years to like six years older than me. So they would come to the, come to the house, and, and they would pick teams, you know, like we do. Well, guess who got picked last? Jamie, little old Shane, wormy Shane, right? Even though it's my basketball, my football, I get picked last. Well, I got old after a while. That's why Morgan and Mother that. I'm going to be doing all that jump. I know what that's like. I can't stand that, getting picked last. There was a boy, my neighbor, he, he was one of four boys. His name was Mark. He was like five years older than me. You know what he'd do? If he was there, he wasn't always there, but he was there, he picked me first, and he took care of me. And those boys were generally good to me. But you know, just being the youngest, you, you get kind of left out. Mark would take care of me. Mark got killed when he was eighteen years old. I'll never forget it. He got killed in a car wreck. Broke her heart. He was so good to me. He he would choose me. That's a big deal for a young boy. Hey, Christian, God has chosen us before time began. You're like, well, I thought we had to repent, believe what we do. Yeah, we have to repent and believe, but God still chooses. Well, how does that fit together with free will? It fits together. I can talk to you about that later. And it's complicated, but it works. But don't say, man, I made this decision. I chose God. No, he chose you first. Wow. How do we have courage? We remember the gospel. All the work Christ done for us, Josie, he chose us. If you're a believer. Give us some courage. Keep us from being ashamed. Knowing that God purposed our salvation from all eternity will give us strength to endure trials. And trials are coming, people. Notice that salvation also is not what we've done. It's not what we've done. Not because of our works. And We were reminded of Ephesians 2, 8, 9, aren't we? For you, by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Hey, you're a Christian because of God. Hey, you're a Christian because of God. Not because you're good, not because you're smart. You're a Christian because God chose you and saved you by His grace. Yeah, praise the Lord, that's right. We're saved unto good works, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 tells us, unto holiness. But these are the the result of salvation. they are no cause for our salvation. If we're to be saved, it comes from something entirely outside of ourselves. What was done for us on our behalf, right, by Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah. So we have this preexistent grace. God chose us before time began. And then we also have visible grace. Look at verse 10 and 11 and which now has been manifested, manifested, made known. We can see it. How do we see it? Because Jesus took on flesh. It was made known through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Our our salvation is connected with Jesus, His incarnation, His death, His resurrection, His ascension. It all has to do with Jesus. Jesus. Christ is at the center of the gospel. God sent His Son for sinners like you and like me to abolish death and to bring life, eternal life to us. He purposed for us to be saved through the work of His Son. And the gospel is what Paul's preaching. That's what he's peddling. That's why he's in prison. That's why he's about to be put to death. But he's not ashamed because what Christ has done is He brings us life. You don't have life anywhere else. Self-help, other religion, it just the gospel's it. How do we have life? It's through Christ. So Paul says, I'm not ashamed because this is the message that gives life. We had a funeral yesterday for, for Joey. He died. And Paul isn't saying that death doesn't exist and we're we're not absolved from physical death, but it's no longer to be feared. Because the life we have in Christ. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 through 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. We don't have fear of death. We shouldn't fear death. We're not ready for it to happen just yet, maybe. We don't have to fear it. Because for us, we we have eternal life. When we die physically, we live spiritually. In glory. Death and the fear of death has lost its sting. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says in verse 55 through 56. Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. Well, guess what? The law has been fulfilled. Death has been defeated. Jesus is resurrected to defeat sin and death once and for all. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of Paul. Second point is the gospel is the source of our unashamed courage. What I've been saying, but let's look at verse 12. Paul isn't ashamed. Why? Which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I believed. Look look at what that says. Look in the Bible. Look in the Bible. Look at verse 12. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. Paul's not saying, I know what I believe. And proper doctrine is important. We have to get the Bible right. We have to know, discern truth from error. But I know whom I have believed. Because of the work of Christ, guess what? Paul has a relationship with the Father. The one who created the world, set this all in motion. We can have a relationship with. So Paul says, I know what I believe, but I know whom I believe. Paul is in shame because through the gospel he knew God. He had a relationship with God through Christ. And also notice, I'm convinced that he is able to guard unto that day what has been entrusted to me. Paul isn't ashamed because through the gospel he knew God, but also the life he's been given is guarded. The gospel he's been given is guarded. The new life he's been given is guarded. Paul says your attitude should be the same. I'm convinced that he is able to guard unto that day what has been entrusted to me. Paul, he lived with with the certainty that God would guard his life's commitment to the gospel until the, the day he was put to death or or, or judgment the day of judgment where he'll be where God will assess everything and where Paul will be vindicated I'm not ashamed because I know what God started he's going to continue Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 Rhonda read this already this morning I'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will complete it will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus yeah God's going to finish what he started He's able to guard what's been entrusted to me. John 10, 27 through 28, Jesus says, My sheep, they hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will snatch them out of my hand. God's going to finish what he started. You have life in Christ, you'll always have life in Christ. You're not going to lose it. Look at verse 14. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit and trust you. I said again, we don't pull it, it's not a pull yourself by your own bootstraps and get it done mentality. That's not what we're preaching. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, not your own power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. That good deposit is the gospel. And we, we see this at the end of uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20 and 21. We saw this. Where we're Timothy's told to guard the deposit and trust it to him. Be willing to suffer with Paul, Timothy. Be willing to follow what you've been taught. The, the good deposit is the gospel. How do you guard that? All right. I'm going to give you a $5 bill. tell you to keep this $5 in your pocket all day long. I'm giving you a $5 bill and you put it in your pocket, Jimmy. You're going to work. You're not even going to think about that $5. Scott, you don't even think about the $5 bill in your pocket. Maybe it's $20. Put in your pocket. You don't, Jim, Jerry, you just forget about it. You don't think about it. But what if I gave you 50000 dollars Said, so hey, guard this today. How are you going to walk around? You're going to walk differently. Hey. Hey. If you're a Christian, guard the deposit that's been given to you. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Christian, you live different. Guard the deposit. You ain't got to fight out a bill in your pocket there. You got the gospel, eternal life. So you got to live, walk differently. Guard the deposit. Timothy, by the power of the Holy Spirit, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Last point, verse 15 through 18. Paul points out a, an exemplar of unashamed service. Look at verse 15. Many turned away from him. For Jealous Hermogenes, they turned away. They said they loved Jesus, they said they wanted to help Paul. They abandoned Paul when he was in prison. Prison's a little different. It wasn't like you get three squares. Cable TV and all that—it's a hard place. He needed somebody to come and care for him, bring him food, bring him things that he needed. All these people, their supposed friends and advocates for the gospel—they, Paul says, they abandoned me. There's some folks who talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. And that's a forest, though, he's not ashamed. We don't know why I was in Rome. We don't know why he was Rome, but it says here. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my He often refreshed me. When he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. Onesiphorus wasn't ashamed of the gospel. He wasn't ashamed of Paul. And this is the time where everybody's getting out of of Rome. Christians are getting out of Rome. Because bad things are happening in Rome for Christians. Anissa Forrest isn't ashamed. He's willing to associate with Paul. That's kind of like... I know they closed that thing down, but it's kind of like going to see a terrorist at Guantanamo Bay, you know? Just put a target on you. Anissa Forrest was so faithful because he wasn't ashamed. You know why? He, under, he remembered the gospel. He knew what God had done for him. Before time began, he had been chosen. and. The Father is guarding what's been entrusted to Him. It doesn't matter what happens to Him in this life. All is good because He has eternal life. He's guarding that deposit given to Him. Paul, one of his more um, well-known verses, Romans 1, 16, thinking about being ashamed, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because of the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm not ashamed because this is how life is given, is through the gospel. Lost people can't be saved without hearing the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. This is the power of God, it's how people are saved. People that never hear the gospel, guess what? They can't ever be saved. They're born in, in sin and enmity with God, and they'll forever be lost because they don't hear the gospel. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Jesus on shame. Mark chapter 8, verse 38. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him with the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in glory of his Father with the holy angels. When Jesus comes back, if you're ashamed of Jesus, Jesus is going to be ashamed of you. Are you ashamed of Christ? Are you ashamed of the gospel? Paul here is exhorting this young man, Timothy, because this man will soon face persecution and imprisonment himself. The book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 33. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. This is Timothy did. He heeded these words. He was faithful. He wasn't ashamed of the gospel. He wasn't ashamed of Paul. And what do we see? Timothy imprisoned himself. As we close, i want to read this Ken Hughes. He's got a book of quotes. and He writes what a young preacher from Zimbabwe had expressed. He says, I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit's power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. I won't give up, shut up, let up. Until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. For I am a disciple of Jesus. Pretty good, isn't it? How do we apply this text? How do we apply it? I think real easily we say don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of Christ, of the gospel. Be willing to suffer like Onesiphorus. And you like, well, what does that look like for me? Am I going to risk prison? Not here in the land of heat and air and freedom. Not now. I, I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe it's just standing up for what's right at, at work or in your home or defending somebody that should be defended or pointing out something that's unethical. I don't know. Maybe it's... Sharing the gospel with somebody who needs to hear it. Being unashamed and being willing to share the gospel, knowing that uh, some people don't want to hear the gospel because the gospel is offensive. Because when you share the gospel, you're telling somebody they're wrong. How many of you like to be told you're wrong? How many of you like your, your wife or your husband to tell you you're wrong? I hate that. <laughs> the gospel tells us we're wrong. Ooh, We need to hear that, don't we? Yeah, we need to hear that. I don't know what it, what it looks like for you. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. And secondly, by way of application, let the gospel motivate us. We've got to preach the gospel to ourselves. Be reminded. Of, hey, God chose me before the time began. And what he started in me, he's going to finish. Guard the good deposit. How do you do that? I think a couple things. Living it out. If you're like, man, I really don't know how to live it out. Hey, that's what we're wanting to do. That's what Elaine and Lonnie and Kim, that's what we are saying. Hey, I want to learn how to live that out. That's what we want to do at church. We want to show you how to do that. We're going to learn together. Guard the good deposit by living it out and sharing with other people. You say, well, I don't even know how to share it with other people. Hey, we're going to teach you. On Wednesday night, we're going through 1 Peter. Brian Lindley's going to teach us. And then when we finish that, we're we're going to... We'll teach you how to share the gospel real simply with other people. Yeah, we want to help you do that. Maybe you're here, you're not real sure what where you need to land, but you're, man, I need to find a good church. Maybe you have questions about our church. I'd love to talk with you about that. I think most importantly, by way of application, is are you ashamed of Christ? Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is, our, is the power of God, is how we're saved. And maybe you're here and you've never been saved. You've never repented. You've never trusted Christ. And all these things we've been kind of talking about is kind of elusive to you. You're not a beneficiary of God's grace yet, because you've yet to embrace Christ and what He's done for you. I'll encourage you. Jesus loves you. He lived a perfect life for you. He lived perfectly the record that you need, the perfect record that you need, Jesus, He has that. And He wants to give it to you. So He went to the cross and He died a sinner's death, even though He's perfect. He was buried on the third day. He rose from the grave. The Bible says so we could be justified, so we could be made right with a holy God. And the Bible says if we repent, we turn from our sin, live in for ourselves, and we trust the work Christ did, that we could be saved. We could be reconciled to God. We could be made right with God, even though we're sinners. See, that's the power of the gospel. Like I just gotta repent and, and trust. That's it. That's it, man. That's it. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Embrace it. Embrace Christ and what He's done for you. Man, I'm glad you're here. Hey, it's cold outside, but we our heat is awesome. Heat's Working well. I'm about to sweat. Glad you're here. Some of you, there's new faces. Some of you just met today. I'm so glad you're here. Come back if you want to. We're going to try to teach the word and sing the word. On Wednesday night, if you're free, come. We got our, we we start off Beaver Kids. Kids eat at 6. Adults eat at 6.30. Spaghetti night. Adults is five bucks. You're like, five bucks? You can't eat anywhere for five bucks no more, can you, Kevin. (laughs) Yeah, and the money goes to NICU and, and, and the pastor in, in Romania, and we support their camps. And But it's a sweet time. We just get together, and we eat, and we have fellowship. And then at 7 o'clock, the adults will study. And then 7.50, we all come back. The kids, the students, the adults, we all come back in the gym, and, and there's a representative from each class that will share what they learned that night. Just a time to be together and learn and grow. We'd love for you to come if, you, if you're available. Won't you stand with us? I'm going to pray. Worship team going to come up. We're going to sing us out of the building. It's kind of a benediction, but... If we can do anything for you, let us know. Man, God's good. He's given us his word, and we've been able to study it and sing it. Let's pray, and we'll sing us out the building today, okay? Father, we do acknowledge your goodness. Thank you for your word. Thankful we have it, and we can read it and understand it. And God, we've learned that we're not to be ashamed of you. And we do that by remembering what Christ has done for us. And I just pray that you would help us to do that, that students, they would they'd be reminded when they go to school. Not to be ashamed. They would remember what you've done for them. They would remember that you've called them and predestined them before time began, and you saved them through the work of Christ. Father, may you empower our, our workers as we go to work tomorrow. Lord, help us to be unashamed of you. Father, for those that are here that maybe they've yet to repent and trust you, I just pray that you would help them, that they would be able to see their sin and they would be able to see your goodness and they would want you more than anything in the world. And I pray that you would grant them faith and repentance today. Father, for those that are sick, we got people that have COVID and flu. We just pray for grace on their lives. Father, that you would just help them physically. But more importantly, Lord, help them to trust you even as they're ill and sick and feeling bad. May they trust you. Father, thank you for all those that serve. Thank you for Elaine and Lion, and Kim and being wanting to be a part of our church. And Again, help them grow and use them here and help us to, to help them in, in, in the ways that we should. Father, give us grace through the power of your Holy Spirit to obey your word this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing.
0: I've tried in vain a thousand ways My fears to quell My hopes to raise But what I need Your word has said Is ever only